Hello and welcome to episode number 478 of Holy Crap It's Sports. I'm your host Pete Davis for a Friday, August 26, 2022. Hope everybody's going to get ready for a big weekend. It's the first weekend of college football. I know they're calling it week zero, but there's like 10 games. I don't know why they don't go ahead and just call it week one, but whatever. Uh, an SEC team is playing, so whatever. All right, uh, let's get started here. Why shall we? If you want to follow me on Twitter, go to Pete Davis one Want to write me a letter? Pete Davis one at yahoo.com. If you'd like to be a patron of the show, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, whatever you feel like it, there's no limit and no floor. Uh, what else we got? Uh, look up Holy Crap at Sports, by the way, when you do that. Or if you want to get a t-shirt, farmhouseprintingco.com. Holy Crap at Sports t-shirts, Drink Up Shriners, Kimmer Show t-shirts, whatever you like. They got it right there. Uh, the Braves start a three-game series in St. Louis in a couple hours here. I'm doing this about 4 o'clock Friday afternoon. It was supposed to be this morning, but uh, I had to make a little impromptu trip to the dock in the box, so I kind of got a little late start today. Sorry. The Fernando Tatis Jr. story just keeps getting worse and worse. And like I said, college football starts tomorrow in a big shakeup at Auburn today. Uh, let's see. Uh, what player is supposed to win the Heisman Trophy? One website already knows where your team is going to a bowl game this season. The Chiefs honor Lynn Dawson during their game. And does Cowboys owner Jerry Jones know what a glory hole is? Scott Scheffler is leading the Tour Championship at Eastlake, where he was yesterday. I haven't even paid attention to what's going on today. Uh, Scheffler, though, at the British Open was butthurt, literally. A surfer loses their head to a shark. We got Pete's tweets, this day in sports histories, birthdays you share with these reprobates. Let's get started, shall we? Braves begin that weekend series in St. Louis tonight, which is Friday. The 7-4 Spencer Strider against the 4-5 Jose Quintana for the Cardinals. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt's trying to get the triple crown. He's like two behind uh, Kyle Schwarber in home runs. He's really having a good year. Uh, Braves just two games back of the Mets, who beat the Rockies last night on Thursday. If you need another reason to love Vaughn Grissom, the youngster says back in 2019, before he was drafted by Atlanta, he lived in fear of being drafted by the Mets. His quote, I thought I was going to be a Met, which would have been terrible, end quote. (laughs) The Braves and Dansby Swanson began contract extension talks around the All-Star break, so keep your fingers crossed. Dansby has the same uh, agency that Freddie Freeman did. I was listening to the Colorado and Mets game last night, and the Rockies announcer read a list of great MLB shortstops and managed to skip Dansby's name. The guy wins a World Series and, and is having a career year and still no respect. Speaking of respect, let's drink. Oh, what are we drinking today? A Schlitz. I'm not really drinking a Schlitz, but whatever. Why is somebody trying to contact me? Okay, this is really weird. Snapchat chat. I wish I could talk. Snapchat keeps telling me that Kara Stockton is on Snapchat. And we all know Kara passed away a few months ago. So, yow. John Heyman of the New York Post reporting that the Padres will not challenge Fernando Tatis Jr.'s contract money despite his being suspended for 80 games for taking PEDs. This on top of all the time he's missed from injuries both on and off the field. The Padres are 10-12 and 12 since that big deadline trade and trying to figure out why the team is going so badly following those big trades at the deadline. They believe it can't be the manager this time because they have Bob Melvin. Wow. One thing we were reminded of again was Tatis took out a big loan from Big League Advance with the promise to pay a big percentage of future earnings. This sounds like a scheme of some sort. But anyway, it's understandable many underprivileged prospects do this, 
But it's curious why the son of a former Major League player who averaged $1.6 million over a 13-year career would need money and choose to do this. Well, it's his daddy's money. He reportedly gave up approximately $28 million for a probable pittance. Yes, there's been a lot of questionable decision-making going on in the Tatis household, according to John Heyman, and i got to agree. Meanwhile, star rookie Julio Rodriguez and the Mariners are finalizing a massive long-term extension. Now, you talk about the Braves with Ozzy and Ronald Acuna and recently with Michael Harris and uh, Austin Riley. Get this. Julio, who's 21 years old, could get $210 million guaranteed and max out at $470 million. That would be the richest deal in American sports history. Okay? Uh, the kids only played this season. Uh, the deal is expected to be announced soon uh, for a base of $120 million, goes through the 2029 season. Following the 28th season, the ends can exercise an option for an additional 8 or 10 years, depending on where Julio finishes in the MVP voting in the preceding seasons. If Seattle turns down the option, Rodriguez can exercise a 5-year $90 million player option after the 29th season or hit free agency just shy of his 30th birthday. Wow. Uh, college football, let's get to it. I'm going to take a sip again of the Schlitz slash water before we get into the college football here. Alan Green is going to step away from his role as Auburn's athletic director. It was announced today. The decision was announced after the two sides negotiated terms of Green's departure earlier today, according to ESPN. Here's his quote. The decision to step away from Auburn athletics is not an easy one, but it is the right time for me to begin the next step in my pro journey. I am very proud of the work that we have done together to move our athletics program forward. I wish Auburn nothing but the best in the years ahead. I'm confident we leave Auburn athletics stronger than when we arrived, end quote. Green was entering the final five months of a contract, a rarity among uh, ADs at major conference schools. He had asked Auburn for clarity about his future with his deal expiring in January, and he was told that Auburn was likely to wait until the end of the football season to make a decision. This doesn't look good for Brian Harson too. I think what they're going to try and do is fire Harson for whatever they can and bring in a new AD, hopefully, and let him pick a new coach instead of the boosters, but who knows. Florida A&M's football season opener at North Carolina tomorrow is expected to be played despite 20 Rattlers players ineligible or have not been cleared uh, for their paperwork to transfer. A family spokesman said uh, the team expects to play UNC coach Mac Brown uh, also told ESPN they expect to play tomorrow. The game is scheduled at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. It's going to be on the ACC network. Speaking of games, we've got a lot of them tomorrow, even though they claim it's just week zero. Saturday, August 27th, uh, you're going to start at high noon on CBS Sports Network, Austin P. Go P. At Western Kentucky. And then at 12.30 on Fox, Big Fox, you got Nebraska against Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, let's see. Of course, they didn't do it the last couple of years because of the China virus uh, fears. Idaho State at UNLV at 3.30 on CBS. Let's see. UConn at Utah State at 4 at FS1. Wyoming at Illinois at 4 on BTN. Duquesne at Florida State at 5 at ACC Network. Charlotte at Florida Atlantic at 7 at CBS Sports Network. Florida A&M at North Carolina at 8.15 on the ACC network. Then you got North Texas at UTEP at 9 uh, at Stadium Network, whatever that is. Nevada at New Mexico State at 10 o'clock. I love those late games. ESPN 2. And finally, SEC Vanderbilt at Hawaii 
10.30 p.m. CBS Sports Network. So there you go. Uh, Saturday Down South, which does an amazing job covering the Southeastern Conference, has their predictions for this year, including where your team will go a-bowling. Last season, a testament to the SEC's continuing strength in football. They set a record 13 bowl-eligible teams, though only 12 played in the postseason because Texas A&M pulled out of the Gator Bowl for reasons related, of course, to the China virus. And the college football playoff was again the SEC's playground, Georgia and Bama rolling into the semifinals, and then they meet in a national title game for the second time in five seasons. So, how are things look this year? Expect a rerun. Saturday Down South projects the defending national champion Bulldogs and defending conference champion Crimson Tide to again make the four-team field for the playoff, also predicting that A&M will earn a bid to a New Year's Day Six Bowl, though several other conference teams could legitimately argue their candidacy as well. Uh, they think that 12 SEC teams will make bowls this season with the exception of a handful of tough challenges. you got Florida versus Utah, Auburn versus Penn State, South Carolina at Clemson. Probably not many chances for non-conference losses looming for the league's teams. The lineup is mostly the same as last season. A couple of notes. The Las Vegas Bowl rotates with the, or rotates with the Duke's Mayo Bowl for the next five years. This year, it's Vegas hosting an SEC team, while Charlotte takes its turn inviting a Big Ten team. Also, the ReliaQuest Bowl is a different name. Uh, it's a new corporate branding for what was the Outback Bowl in Tampa. Ah, I like the Outback Bowl. Damn it. I don't even know what ReliaQuest is. After the playoffs and New Year's Day six spots are filled, the Citrus Bowl gets to select next in the SEC pecking order. Then there are six bowls considered equal. A Vegas, ReliaQuest, Gator, Music City, Texas, and Liberty. After that, the Birmingham Bowl gets to select an SEC team, followed by the Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, so that's a great name. So with that, uh, SDS presents the first set of bowl projections heading into week zero. Spoiler alert, they won't change after this weekend no matter what happens in Saturday's Vandy Hawaii game. Sorry, Commodores. <laughs> no respect, no respect at all. So Saturday Down South is predicting the Peach Bowl here in Atlanta, which is a CFP semi. December 31st, December 31st will be Bama against Clemson. Uh, since I'm starting to mess up words, I'll drink some. Might as well have an excuse if I can't speak. All right, here we go. Fiesta, another semi of the football playoff, December 31st in Arizona, Glendale, Georgia against Ohio State. Sugar Bowl on New Year's Eve, New Orleans, uh, Texas A&M against Oklahoma State. Then you got the Relia Quest, January 2nd in Tampa, Kentucky against Michigan State. The Citrus, January 2nd in Orlando, Arkansas versus Wisconsin. Music City Bowl on New Year's Eve in Nashville, Ole Miss against Penn State. Uh, Gator Bowl, December 30th in Jacksonville, Tennessee versus Louisville. Liberty Bowl in Memphis, December 28th, South Carolina against Iowa State. The Texas Bowl on the 28th, uh, December, you got Houston, that's in Houston, Mississippi State against Texas. Oh boy, if Texas is only going to the, what bowl is this? The Texas Bowl? Oh boy. Uh, Birmingham Bowl, December 27th, held in Biloxi. Just kidding. Uh, Florida against Memphis. Gasparilla, it's going to be on the 23rd of December in Tampa. That's Auburn against Central Florida. These are all predictions. And the Las Vegas Bowl, December 17th in Boise, Idaho. LSU versus Washington. Okay, there's predictions from SDS. 
The transfer portal giveth and taketh away. Just ask Sam Pittman. The Razorbacks head coach lost two players this week, and Pittman knows that the portal works both ways. Cornerback Jacqueline Crawford and defensive lineman Taylor Lewis entered the portal, prompting Pittman to say playing football at Arkansas is not for everyone. Quote, I feel like if they don't want to be here, they need to get in the portal, and I have no problem with it. We're not for everybody. you got to practice, and you got to go to weights. It's hard. If you don't like it, that's who we are. We're not changing. Go in the portal. End quote. Crawford uh, was a reserve defensive back who transferred to Arkansas from Oklahoma two years ago. Lewis arrived in Fayetteville over the summer as a junior college transfer from the College of the Canyons. Canyons, Canyons. Arkansas has benefited from several transfers since Pittman arrived. Uh, let's see, they got pass rusher Jordan Dominic from, came to Arkansas after getting 98 tackles and nine sacks, forcing four fumbles for Georgia Tech. And they got receiver Matt Landers, who started his career at Georgia, but came to Arkansas after averaging over 25 yards a catch last season for Toledo. Nick Saban says that 70, 71 years of age, they're just numbers, and feels like a young man. And he'll continue coaching at Bama for as long as they want him, he says. Uh, what else we got here? I was going to play a comedian talking about Ohio, the state of Ohio, having the worst school names and nicknames. But I'll, I'll save that next week since Ohio State doesn't play, I think, till next week. We'll save that for you. Uh, also, next week, we're going to have the breakdown, the power rankings of the SEC teams, which the Vandy game probably won't impact that either. NFL. The Chiefs honored late Hall of Fame quarterback Lynn Dawson with a special huddle before their first offensive play in last night's preseason game against the Packers. Quarterback Patrick Mahomes faced his 10 teammates, huddling in the style Dawson did when playing for the Chiefs back in the 60s and 70s. They called it the choir formation. I'd forgotten about that. Uh, they got a delay of game penalty, but the Pack declined it, and Mahomes came out of the game and was play replaced by Chad Henney. Uh, he says, we all wanted to do something. Coach Andy Reid talked about it and came up with the idea, Mahomes says. We wanted to do something, a little token to show our appreciation. They also held a moment of silence at Arrowhead Stadium for Dawson, who uh, led them to a Super Bowl four win over the Vikings. He died this week. He was 87. The Rams and Bengals ended their joint practice early after a melee broke out. And some are wondering if L.A.'s Aaron Donald will be suspended for swinging a helmet around during the fight. Uh, check that. He swung two helmets. <laughs> <laughs> Two hands, no waiting. The Browns' Miles Garrett got suspended a few years ago for doing this in a game, but some reports say this has happened at a practice, so it's up to the team to punish him, not the league. Interesting. And at this point, you got to wonder if Cowboys owner Jerry Jones is just trolling all of us. For the second time in a TV interview, Jones has talked about glory holes. Okay, if the kid's listening right now, if you don't want to explain what that is, fast forward. I'm not going to get graphic, but you may have to explain it. I don't think you want to. On Thursday's edition of ESPN First Take, Jones decided to talk about working hard and seeing the glory hole. Here's his quote. I can't tell you how many times in my life when I've had it handed to me in a lot of different, but I went back to work, got up on Monday morning, and there it was, glory hole, end quote. Now, that sentence really didn't make a lot of sense, but it's Jerry Jones. All right. Ten years ago, he uttered this nugget of joy, and I quote, For me, it's a reminder, I too have been here 23 years, and it is a reminder I've been here when it was glory hole days, and I've been here when it wasn't. And so having said that, I want me some glory hole, end quote. Hopefully, Jerry will be able to stick it out and finally get a taste of his long-awaited moment in the glory hole. <laughs> I think he meant to say glory days. 
<sighs> she reminds me, speaking of glory holes, uh, drinking with the uh, Jones boys at the rooftop bar of the Tokyo Hotel there. And then we all jumped in cabs to go find a geisha house. And the Jones boys chickened out. That's all I'm saying. Uh, there were no glory holes involved. Golf news. Scott Scheffler got off to a great start yesterday at East Lake for the Tour Championship. And by the way, always play your drinking game when there's a uh, golf tournament going on to East Lake here in Atlanta. You get to drink every time you hear a siren in the background. If you've ever been over there, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, back at the British Open, Scheffler was butt hurt literally. He says, I had what's called a pilonidal infection. I'm totally mispronouncing that. It's an infection at the top of your butt crack. He says, try not to crack a smile. You can look it up. I don't want to. It was really hard for me to bend down. It was really hard for me to make a swing on Sunday. Walking was actually extremely difficult. What kind of crack is that, Scott? Meanwhile, surfing news, according to The Onion, Dateline San Clemente, California. The surfing world is in awe of a woman's resilience now that 23-year-old Maya Franklin had achieved her goal of becoming a pro surfer despite surviving a shark attack as a teenager that resulted in the loss of her head. No one thought Maya would ever surf again after that shark took her head. Honestly, people were just relieved she survived, as she had lost quite a bit of blood, said a source close to Miss Franklin, who described how the young surfer had not only returned to the sport after just half a year of physical therapy, but had risen to become one of the most celebrated and one of the very few headless surfers. A lot of people told her, you can't surf, you're decapitated. But Maya didn't listen. With no brain, no face, and not much more than a nub of a neck, Maya managed to win contest after contest, proving herself perfectly capable of time and time again, holding her own with competitors whose heads were firmly attached to their spines. Sources acknowledge uh, that in addition to her athletic career, Franklin is also an incredible public speaker. On this day, August 26, 1971, Bobby Orr signed a five-year contract with the Bruins worth $1 million, the first million-dollar contract in NHL history. 2018, a gamer at a Madden NFL 19 gaming tournament in Jacksonville, Florida, lost, then returned to shoot two people dead and wound nine others. What was the run and shoot he was using in the... uh, Birth, we can joke about it now. That was four years ago. Was it four? Yeah, four years. Birthdays that you share with these people in 1901. Tullio Campanolo, Italian racing cyclist and inventor, founder of the bicycle component company Campanolo, hence the name, born in Vicenza, Italy, died in 1983. So what did he invent for his cycles? The release, the, no, the quick release skewer patent. I don't know about you, you, but if I have a bicycle, the last thing I want to find on that bicycle is something that can skewer me. Sounds painful. That sounds like no bicycle seat. 1901, Frankie Gennaro. Uh, whoa, Italian boxer, world flyweight champion from 1928 to 31. Olympic gold flyweight champ in 1920, born in New York City, died in 1966. 1937, Tom Heinsohn was born, a star coach and player for the Celtics. Broadcaster, born in Jersey City, New Jersey, died a couple years ago. 1956, Mark Mangino, that fat bastard, <laughs> born in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. I remember him coaching Kansas. Was did okay for a while. 1957, Alex Trevino, a Mexican major league catcher for the Dodgers and the Braves, born in Monterey, Mexico, played for the 84 Braves. I thought he played longer, but he was only there one year. Three homers, 28 RBIs, 
244 average. He had a knack for getting a good hit now and then. He wasn't a bad player. 1961, Jeff Parrott was born. Pitcher for the Phillies, Cardinals, and Braves. Born in Indianapolis. Played two seasons in Atlanta, 1990 and 91. Yep. He was part of the trade that sent Dale Murphy to the Phillies. Parrott was 2-3 with an ERA of 4.47 for the Bravos. 1973, Barrett Robbins. There's an interesting character. Uh, center for the Oakland Raiders, born in Houston, Texas. Here's a little history of Barrett you might remember. In 1996, which was Mike White's last year as head coach of the Raiders, the second year Robbins replaced Dan Turk in the lineup, became, get this, only the fifth starting center in Raiders history in 1996 after Turk, Don Mosbar, Dave Dalby, and Jim Otto. Otto was there forever. The first sign of his mental health problems turned up during the season when he was found disoriented and wandering around the team hotel in Denver, who hasn't done that, shortly before a game with the Broncos. He missed that game and was hospitalized. An early sign of his future trouble was displayed when he went missing a week before the AFC title game, though in this case he did show up 24 hours before the game started and played in the Raiders' 16-3 loss to the Ravens. Inexplicably, the day before Super Bowl 37, Robbins was reported as missing for most of the day before the game after not taking his depression medication. When he resurfaced that night, he was so incoherent that he didn't even know where he was. According to one of his teammates, Robbins didn't even recognize head coach Bill Callahan. Despite this, owner Al Davis wanted Robbins in the game, and development coach Willie Brown had Robbins running sprints in the parking lot on the morning of the game to see if he could still play. Callahan had initially intended to let him play, but not start. However, he ultimately decided to suspend Robbins for the game after concluding that he was not fit to take the field. He initially wanted to fly Robbins back to Oakland, but was unable to get him a plane ticket because he was missing his wallet and ID. Robbins spent 30 days at the Betty Ford Center, during which time he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. He'd been diagnosed with depression while at Texas Christian, but it is common for the two to be confused in the early stages, confused with manic depressive disorder. It turned out that he had gone into a manic episode after not taking his medication. His wife says that Robbins spent most of the day before the Super Bowl partying across the border in Tijuana, Mexico. He had thought the Raiders had already won the game, and he was celebrating their victory. By the way, uh, we'll find out what happened. With Adam Treu as the starting center, the Raiders were blown out in an ugly loss in the Super Bowl to the Buccaneers, 48-21. to Of course, that was John Gruden coaching it. Uh, Robbins regained his starting job the next year for the 03 season with the same line mates, a disastrous 4-12 year for the team. However, his name and those of several of his teammates were found on the list of clients of the Bay Area Laboratory Cooperative, Balco, that had given performance-enhancing drugs to uh, other players. The Raiders released him in the summer of 04 after he tested positive for the clear, which came from Balco, allegedly. A few months uh, after that, on Christmas Eve, he was arrested for punching a security guard who tried to keep him from going to a bar at the Sir Francis Drake Hotel in San Francisco. On January 15, 2005, Robbins was shot three times during a brawl with police in Miami Beach and charged with attempted murder. Under a plea agreement, Robbins pleaded guilty to five charges, including the attempted murder charge, sentenced to five years probation, ordered to receive treatment for his bipolar disorder, and to avoid alcohol. Wow. He has spent most of the last decade in jail or in rehab facilities due to problems with substance abuse. He ultimately ended up in a rehab facility in Houston in 08, was transferred to a halfway house in May of 2009. An interview then with HBO's Real Sports, Robbins told Andrea Kramer that before being diagnosed as bipolar, he had dealt with his mood swings by taking alcohol, cocaine, marijuana, and steroids. 
He also said that he had been in a manic mood for both Raider playoff games prior to the Super Bowl. His ex-wife, Marissa, also interviewed for the story, said that before the diagnosis, there were days where he had breakfast and went right back to bed. In early 2010, a police officer pulled him over near Dallas and found crack cocaine in his car. March 25, 2011, Robbins sentenced to five years in a Florida prison for a drug-related probation violation, released on September 25, 2012. In August of 2016, Barrett Robbins alleged to have punched a mother and her daughter in Boca Raton, resulting in arrest and two new charges of felony battery before being sent to a mental health facility. In November 2020, Robbins was accused of leaving a restaurant in Delray Beach, Florida, without paying for his meal. An employee followed him as he fled the restaurant on foot. During his flight, Robbins allegedly threw a rock at the restaurant employee. Delroy Beach police were called, and Robbins was taken into custody. I don't know where he is now. He is a menace to society. I feel sorry for him. This guy should never see the light of day again. It's obvious nothing helps him. Nobody's been able to help him. He's had plenty of chances. I'm sorry. I'm sure he can find something to do as long as he's not outside where he can hurt people. 1975, Morgan Innsberg, baseball player, born in Hermosa Beach, California. I remember him back in the early 2000s when the Braves were playing the Astros in the playoff series and, of course, lost to them. And uh, being there in Houston covering uh, the Magnolia Hotel is a great hotel. Within walking distance, too. Great little stadium they have down there. I really, it looks bad on TV, but it looks, it's great in person. And I went to one of the pre- or post-game interviews, Morgan Ensberg, and I swear there were two of the female reporters there were swooning. He was a good-looking guy. And the women, uh, not all of the female reporters, because they're professional, but a couple of them were like just looking at each other and looking at him, and you could tell what they were thinking. 1976, Kerry Talley, a soccer field, uh, midfielder, Won Olympic gold here in Atlanta in 96, born in Memphis. 1979, Jamal Lewis, running back, won Super Bowl 2000. Also NFL rushing yards leader in 03 for the Ravens, born right here in Atlanta. 1985, David Price, a Dodgers reliever right now, won the 2012 Cy Young Award, born in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And in 1989, James Harden was born, uh, NBA MVP in 2018, an all-star. Played for the Rockets and everybody else, born in L.A., uh, where the hell is he now? Oh, he's back in Philly. Okay. Uh, I looked around like there's somebody here who's going to answer the question. Someone must have because I knew it. Dead people on this day, August 26, 2003. Jim Wacker, uh, football coach at Southwest Texas State, died of cancer. He was just 66. Very short list today for those who um, have passed away. All right, what do we got here? One, okay. Odds to win the 2022 Heisman Trophy, according to Caesars Sportsbook. You got uh, Jameer Gibbs of Alabama. Let me blow this up here. Uh, running back, 24 to 1 odds. Texas running back, Bijan Robinson. I have no idea. Bijan Robinson, I don't know. 25 to 1. Quarterback Dylan Gabriel of, uh, I forget where he is now. Oklahoma, 28 to 1, and quarterback Tyler Van Dyke is of Miami, 35 to 1. He could be the sleeper. And you got Quinn Ewers, a quarterback at Texas, at 35 to 1. Quinn better do it this pretty soon before Peyton Manning. Not Peyton. Who's the Manning I'm thinking about? The young Manning. What's his name? Anyway, I forget his name. He didn't go to Ole Miss, so I've forgotten his name. What else we got here? Southeastern Kaiju says, Pete, how is it that you don't have a designated block of wood for the obligatory knock on wood during these podcasts? 
And I responded, would you care to sponsor the block of wood? <laughs> Let's see. Who did it? MLB.com has put together the hottest hitting prospect from each team in baseball. I'm not going to give you all. I'm just giving you the one you care about. Braves, it's Vaughn Grissom. What Grissom has done in the big leagues, 1.024 OPS, since being called up is nothing short of extraordinary. Clearly, the Braves were striking while the infielder was hot. In his 13 games prior to the promotion, Grissom had a 359, 404, 528 line, leaving his season line in double A at 324, 405, 494, with 14 homers and 27 steals. Something tells us he won't be back in Mississippi anytime soon. That's where he was going to be, double A, for a much longer time than he actually was. Good news if you like hockey. According to uh, producer Wes, the uh, newest ECHL team is the Savannah Ghost Pirates, which, by the way, is a great logo and a great name, the Savannah Ghost Pirates. But you can come close to the air. According to the Brat Pack, the Arizona Coyotes have announced their new ECHL affiliate is the Atlanta Gladiators, who play in the 13,000-seat arena out there outside of where the hell is that place? Uh that, that's not Buford, is it? It's somewhere out there in Gwinnett. Huh. The Coyotes will be playing in a 5,000-seat arena. <laughs> uh, the Gladiators play at a 13,000-seat arena. Well, I'll just move them here to Atlanta. We'll call them the Flames because we don't really have – well, we do have Coyotes here. What are we talking about? I've seen Coyotes around here. All right, what else we got here? Oh, uh, Sean sent this. Greg Maddox got a dog when he retired. He still hasn't been walked yet, this dog. Pretty good. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, that's it for Pete's tweets. All right, let's go to this date in baseball history. 1912, August 26th, at Forbes Field, Owen Wilson, not the actor, hit three triples and a doubleheader against the Braves. The Pirates center fielder's third triple, his second of the nightcap, set the new major league record for three baggers with 32. Hmm. Let's see, 1916. A's hurler Joe Bush no-hits the Indians at Philadelphia's Scheib Park. Bullet Joe will win 15 of the last place athletics' 36 victories. Hmm. 1926, Senators hurler Walter Johnson uh, with 408 wins bested Red Faber, who had 197, and the White Sox at Griffith Stadium. The veteran pitchers accumulated the largest amount of victories, a total of 605, for two pitchers who start the same game, a record not surpassed until 1986, when Tom Seaver faced Don Sutton? That's a good trivia question. 1939, at Brooklyn's Ebbets Field, NBC televises the first major league game in history on experimental station W2XBS. No, W2XBS. Covering a doubleheader where the Reds win the first game, the Dodgers take the nightcap. The network had two cameras, one behind home plate and the other on the third baseline to capture the plays at first base. August 26th, 1947, Dan Bankhead became the Major League's first black pitcher. 27-year-old right-hander doesn't do well, relief stint, gave up 10 hits and six runs and three and a third innings and a big loss to the Pirates. But he went on to hit his only big league home run in his first Major League at bat. 1956, Yankees announced the purchase of outfielder Enos Slaughter from Kansas City. 1966, after seeing a caricature of himself on the scoreboard, an angry Leo DeRocher calls the Astrodome's press box to have it removed. When nothing happens, the enraged Cubs manager rips the phone out of the dugout wall and tosses it onto the field. 1972, Ron Santos' 3-1 homer off Ron Bryant proves to be the difference in the Cubs' win over San Francisco at Wrigley. The third-inning round tripper, the first of a pair he hits in the game, is the third baseman's 2,000th career hit and drives in his 1,200th run.
1972, same day, DeRocher again replaces Harry Walker as manager of the Astros. He did that in the first game. He was he nutted up and ripped the phone out. Unbelievable. 1975, Louis Tiant Sr., recently allowed by uh, communist dictator Fidel Castro to leave Cuba to travel to Boston, throws out the first pitch at Fenway Park as his proud son stands behind him on the mound. The former Negro League star, dissatisfied with his first effort, flutters a knuckleball over the plate with a second effort, much to the sold-out crowd's delight. August 26, 1981. Cardinals manager Whitey Herzog fines Gary Templeton 5000 bucks, suspends him indefinitely without pay for his rude behavior that includes an obscene gesture directed toward Redbird fans after they boo him in the first inning for not hustling the first base. The St. Louis shortstop, who will be traded to the Padres in the offseason for Ozzie Smith, agrees to seek psychiatric help and goes back to the lineup September 15th. Okay, he had to go to a shrink. What did uh, Baez have to do when he was playing for the Mets and he did the birds last year? I don't think he had to go to a shrink, did he? By the way, he's not having a very good year with the Tigers. 1989, the Trumbull Connecticut All-Stars became the first American League team to win the Little League World Series since 1983, snapping Asia's six-year hold on the title. They beat Chinese Taipei 5-2. Huh. It was thrown by, the five-hitter was thrown by 12-year-old Chris Drury, who went on to win the NHL Stanley Cup with the Avalanche in 2001. 1991, the Yankees reluctantly agreed to a record $1.5 million contract with 19-year-old high school Southpaw Brian Taylor, the overall number one pick from the June amateur draft. George Steinbrenner is outraged by the deal, but the suspended owner had driven up the price when he publicly made his wishes known to Newsday two days before the signing by saying, if they let him go, meaning GM Gene Michael, they ought to be shot, end quote. And then Brian got in a scuffle with a teammate in a dugout and hurt his shoulder and never really was anything. And all that was wasted because he got in a fight. August 26, 1993. The Mets announced that Vince Coleman will remain on paid administrative leave until the end of the season, ending his playing career with the team. Fred Wilpon's decision that the outfitter, who signed a four-year $11.9 million deal before the 91 season, will never put on the Mets uniform again, results from Coleman admitting to tossing an M100 firecracker, leaving a Dodger Stadium parking lot the month before, and injured three people. 2002, 63 years to the day after the first TV contest we just mentioned, the first video streaming coverage of a Major League game take place on the Internet as the, Rangers beat, uh, the Yankees beat the Rangers. Uh, let's see, uh, 30,000 people went to MLB.com to watch that, which was less than the 42,000 that were actually at the ballpark. 2007, Warner Robins, Georgia, captures the Little League World Series when 12-year-old Dalton caricatures extra inning, eighth inning walk-off home run beats Tokyo 3-2. Victory, the third consecutive LLWS championship for the United States, its longest streak since winning eight straight titles from 1959 to 66. Remember when I was young, man, Taiwan won it every year. It was amazing. Uh, August 26, on 2008, before the Phillies game at Citizens Bank Park, Kenny Campbell fans, no, Kenny Campbell falls more than 15 feet from the stands onto the right field warning track after catching a batting practice home run. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often. The 10-year-old fan was shaken and bruised but unhurt, is comforted by Mike Pelfrey and other Mets until a medical unit arrives. See, Mets aren't all bad. Yeah, they are. 2008, Teddy Roosevelt gets off to a fast start. It, it appears, see, I got choked up thinking about this. He almost won. I got to take a sip. Hold on a second. President Teddy Roosevelt 
Gets off to a fast start. It appears that TR will finally beat his Mount Rushmore. No, it's better at Mount Mushwar. Uh, teammates, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, and George Washington win his first ever president's race at Nationals Park. When the blue do-rag clad presidential character sporting dreadlocks stops to high-five fans sitting in the right field stands with the public address announcer explaining the mascot's behavior as Teddy being Teddy, the big lead disappears. Thank you to Saturday Down South, ESPN, on this day.com, National Pastime, and everybody else for helping me out with this lovely show here on a Friday. Let's uh, see if we missed anything on Twitter. I really should check and see what Scott Scheffler did today, but I don't think I will. Oh, what are we doing here? Da, 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 da. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Uh, the Falcons play the Jaguars tomorrow, by the way. Uh, it's on uh, Atlanta Falcons. are trying to tell you how you can watch it. Let me see if I can find this out for you. It's at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, let's see, where is it? Uh, it's on Fox 5, so you can watch it here in town if you want to. Um, do, 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 do. I'm not seeing a whole bunch of else going on out there. So what I'll do is flick over to ESPN, see if we've got a headline, and then we'll let you go. Uh, dun, 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 dun. That seems to be it. Everybody have a great weekend. And uh, be careful. Be responsible. Drink up, Shriners.